This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select... Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline. Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Brought down, Khalil Mack. Welcome to the Chicago Shuffle Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Lee, here on a chilly Monday morning in Portland, Oregon, as we recap the Bears' final game of the season, winning in Minnesota 21 to 19. Hey, how are you? How you doing? Look, I'll be honest with you. I recorded a podcast last night and uh, it was the most meandering, simpering, lamenting uh, diatribe of what was and what should be for the Bears that it seemed somewhat unpostable to for me. And then uh, I had tickets to go see John Oliver here in town and I just put it down. So let's pick it back up in a more lucid place, in a more coffeeed place. And actually pick apart, I guess, whatever there is to glean from uh, a glorified preseason affair in Week 17 against the Vikings, but also what's really important and what it means going forward. So the Bears finished the game uh, on a game-winning fourth-quarter drive from Trubisky to get an Eddie Pinheiro field goal after giving up an 18-6 to lead late. I guess it's a little bit of microcosm of the season, and insofar as the Bears had more than enough to win this game and were being more or less handed the game. The Vikings were playing the twos across the board. Sean Mannion is a terrible backup quarterback, finished with with 126 yards passing and two interceptions, one of which wasn't his fault. And still the Bears struggled to take this game. Nevertheless, they drive down the field uh, in the fourth quarter. A couple of really good plays, if we're being honest with ourselves. And again, so much of uh, the Trubisky analysis is always couched in one or two plays. He did this so well. He threw a pass to Allen Robinson against the Eagles to put them in position for a game-winning field goal, and that Cody Parkey missed that, not mentioning that he was total garbage for the three quarters that preceded that drive. Uh, and the same thing in this one. He was just kind of missing throws, not being particularly accurate down the field, making mistakes. Um, but... On fourth and nine, he threw a 35-yard pass to Riley Ridley that went up the sideline that put the Bears in position to win the game, and it was a damn good pass. So that's really just how Trubisky is is seen for me at this point, which is wildly inconsistent, occasional highlights. And if you're going to give him any credit, I think the fact that uh, when, and this was not the case early in his career, when the game gets tight at the end, he usually finds a way to move the ball down the field. Now, He's been incredibly lucky a few times. I'm thinking of the Denver game in week two where 
uh, incomplete, 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 got a gifted penalty on a roughing the passer call, which, you know, we all know what the NFL referee system is like this year. You're just flipping a coin, play in, play out. Nevertheless, got a four, an incredible fourth down throw that Allen Robinson got down with .000001 seconds left, got the timeout. But Trubisky did make that throw. That was a game-winning throw, and he made it. And uh, everything that happened that uh, prior to that, it mattered. But he, he started to make these late-game throws, the Philadelphia throw, this throw to Riley Ridley, um, the drive against the Lions on Thanksgiving. Look, that's something that we can point to as he did that well. Everything that precedes it, the wild inconsistencies, the inability to read defenses, the inability to get protections lined up where they need to be. Maybe we shouldn't have to talk about that today. But um, yeah, that's kind of the Mitch Trubisky experience at this point. Uh, he finishes 26-37 for 207 yards. I believe that's like a 5.7 average. Don't quote me on that. And that uh, finishes with a 6.1 average for the season. Good for last in the league for starters. And that's really what it is. I, I'm i watching this game, and I'm just thinking, we have to dink and dunk our way down the field to get anything going on. There's just no explosive plays to speak of in this offense. And that's so strange, given the talent on the field. Prior to this season, the, the conversation happening, not just in Chicago amongst the homers of us, but even in the national media, was that the Bears had one of the best skill position groups in the league, and there was explosive talent all over the place. It was just a matter of getting the ball to those guys in space, Nagy scheming it up, Trubisky getting it out of his hands, and letting them do what they do. And I'm watching the play on the field today, yesterday, we've all discussed that it's Monday, thinking who is the game breaker that the defense is terrified of going over the top? And the answer is nobody. I'm looking now at just some of the statistics for the season on NFL Next Gen Stats, and look, whatever you want to say about the flashes of brilliance, of seeing things that you can point towards going into the future, any of these statistics, given the breadth of the season, what we saw, should let you know that that's not the case. And so quarterback rate, uh, let's see, Trubisky ends up with a... 83 passer rating on the year, just narrowly defeating the paragons of excellence, Eli Manning, Mason Rudolph, Kyle Allen. Amazingly, Baker Mayfield finished with a 78.8 passer rating. No wonder Freddie Soup Kitchens got fired. Uh, and But beaten out by <laughs> famous Jameis, 30 for 30, Winston, Sam Darnold, uh, Josh Allen. Look, it's just the bottom... It's the bottom. It's the bottom of the league. And I, I've looked at all these different next-gen stats, and Trubisky is at or near the bottom third, if not the bottom of the list, in just about every category. It's just time to sort of move on from him as the starter, um, as a franchise. And if he is able to make changes that make them reconsider that decision, that's one thing. But in terms of the direction of the franchise, it's time to look forward, find a bridge quarterback to compete with Trubisky, but also take over the position and then think about drafting that next guy. That's my opinion, but to spend multiple years sitting, wishing, hoping, waiting for this guy to put it together, I think that's a fool's errand and not because he's not a great guy. And I think that that muddles some of this, which is he wants to be great and he tries. It's He's great in the locker room. He says the right things, although has there ever been a more milquetoast, boring press conference in the history of football? 
He just says things like uh, a quarterback robot. Trubisky may be a quarterback robot. He just says, you know, team first things, got to do better, uh, nothing controversial, nothing of great personality. Not that he needs any of that stuff. It would be nice if he was a little more dynamic in that regard, but he's a try-hard kid, and you want to root for him. But the results are the results. And it, despite the blame to be engendered by the offensive line, uh, the play calling of Matt Nagy, the overall construct of the team, it kind of begins and ends with the quarterback, and Trubisky ain't the guy. So the Bears finished the season 28th in the league in points scored, 17.5. 29th in the league in yards. They don't even make it to 300 yards a game. That is insanity. 297 yards a game if I round up. You're welcome, Bears, for rounding up. 205 yards passing per game, 25th in the league, and then 91 rushing yards a game, 27th. These are just horrific numbers for an offense that um, we were promised better for. You know, it's one thing if it's John Fox with an antiquated offense and a defensive mindset. It's a whole other thing when Matt Nagy is brought in to bring the Bears into the future, to shepherd a young quarterback along, to develop him, and to show the league what the future looks like. And at this point, the future looks shitty. So a lot of changes ahead, but as it pertains to the game and the rest of the the preseason-y regular season affair, David Montgomery finally got off. Uh, I believe he finished with 23 carries for 113 yards, his second best rushing game of the year. And I kind of want to talk about this for a second because it's almost like one drive goosed these stats. He wasn't doing particularly well in the run game, and I like David Montgomery. He seems like a great guy. Uh, he's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of shake. Definitely makes defenders miss. But he has got to stop stopping in the hole. Like, run through contact in the hole and then shake. But there's been so many times where he's at or behind the line of scrimmage and stops in his tracks to try to pick a new hole or a new crease and ends up getting negative one or zero yards when it feels like there were two to be had there. I mean, I'm picking nits a little bit. It's not like he's had a lot of running room all year. The offensive line has really, really failed him and failed the Bears. But I do think that's something he can work on next year, which is he doesn't have to make seven guys miss in the hole all the time. If he can push ahead and take the two yards that are there, sometimes that's the best case scenario. Nevertheless, finished with 113 yards, and I believe 75 of them on one drive. The third goal drive, uh, the third, excuse me, the third quarter drive where let's just just pull it up for a second yeah so the bears come out uh and immediately are in the eye formation and i it works i don't understand why negi it almost feels like he brings these elements out and this is that helter skelter play calling just throwing things at the wall all season so they come out in the third quarter in the eye formation and again all this is couched in minnesota's playing their twos this game doesn't matter but for the sake of conversation, they scream down the field. I believe it's six runs. One, two, three, four, five. Montgomery left left for 14 yards. Montgomery left tackle for 10. Montgomery left end for six. Montgomery left for six. Montgomery up the middle for seven. I mean, this is crazy. It's almost like to prove a point. Like, we're just going to run the ball until they stop it. They run it so much that, that Montgomery needs to come out for a blow. Ryan Nall up the middle for a yard. And then Trubisky gets a, a pass to Riley Ridley for 10 yards to set them up uh, at first and 10 at the Minnesota 14. Montgomery comes in and pushes an amazing run, carrying defenders into the end zone for a touchdown. 
Do we see that formation again for the rest of the game? Do we see them try to run it down Minnesota's throat the rest of the game? No. But nevertheless, uh, I can't add up all the yards. It's 75. I think it's 65 yards on one drive from Montgomery. So it's almost like he broke one run to really goose the stats. Uh, if you take that away, 65 yards, it's kind of like, you know, 15 runs for 60 yards and a, and a you know piss poor average, which is much more in line with what we've seen from him this year. So I don't know what to make of that one drive, why Minnesota came out flat, why the Bears came out running the I formation really effectively, but it worked. And again, Montgomery is one of the, he certainly didn't have a great year, but I think he's one of the guys that you look at going forward and say, we can have, we have something here. I do think the bears need to supplement him with a bigger back, a goal line back, somebody who can, um, again, it's not about making defenders miss. It's about being able to play through contact and get the one to two yards that are there. It just feels like at this point the Bears are missing that in their running back's room. You have Montgomery, and then you have Tariq Cohen, who we'll get to here in a second. Cordero Patterson got a few runs before he was concussed and taken out of the game. I really liked how Cordero Patterson played and how the Bears started to utilize him later in the season as a kick returner, as a gunner on special teams, occasionally getting a play on offense. And I think if the offense had had more substance to it, and wasn't always predicated on gimmicks and trying to figure out what was going to work drive to drive, let alone game to game, that we might have seen more things from him. I originally had considered him a cap casualty going into next year just because the Bears likely needed the cap room and he had no more guaranteed money left. I think it's $5 million. Now I wonder if he's worth bringing back just because they don't have another person to replace his production at multiple positions and in multiple roles. So, um, but beyond that, they don't have Kareth White anymore, who's a draft pick, a seventh-round draft pick who was picked up off practice squad by the Steelers. And they don't have Mike Davis, who was cut to retain a, co a compensatory selection in free agency and uh, wasn't really showing all that much when he was on the team. So uh, that's not really the problem. I just think the Bears need to supplement that room with either a, a really inexpensive free agent or a, a late draft pick or undrafted free agent uh, of a certain ilk. So Montgomery was the focus of the offense. And then, you know, in the passing game, Allen Robinson shows out as per usual, nine catches on 12 targets for 71 yards. Um, Anthony Miller. Yeah. Uh, Rehurt his left shoulder again, taken out of the game, never to return. It It's unclear whether or not he could have returned had it not been a meaningless game, but it didn't look good. And I think it, it brings up a, a host of issues for, Miller and the Bears going into next season. So after a really nice bump to his production in the late season uh, success of the Bears as they brought themselves back into the playoff picture for a second before things fell apart again, um, finishes with one catch for five yards, again, left injured in the second quarter, I believe. He lined up wrong during a Trubisky audible. Uh, you could see that uh, early in the first quarter. The Bears need to know what they're going to have next year going in. I think at this point, it's his third year. Anthony Miller, the expectation would be that he'd be the number two wide receiver, if not competing for the number one. I think that's how the Bears viewed him when they traded to get the pick that allowed them to take Anthony Miller. And at this point, you have to wonder if he's going to be that guy for them. It's about dependability and reliability and consistency before explosive plays. And I think anybody that's watched Anthony Miller last year or this year knows that he's got an explosive element that uh, other wide receivers on the team don't have. But if you're looking at a guy like 
okay, Taylor Gabriel, a much more consistent player, a much more professional player, a guy that you know you can count on to be where he's supposed to be, not nearly as physical, not nearly as dynamic. And I think that's the question for Anthony Miller is, can he settle down? Can he know where to be on the field? Can he control his emotions? And then as a player, I just feel like when the ball's coming in, first of all, it's his hands haven't been as good as advertised. He drops the ball or fumbles the ball, kind of bobbles the ball much more often than you would like. And then it never seems secure in his hands. And so in this particular instance, you know, the shoulder popping out like seven times last year, I think there was an end around where he didn't even get hit. It just by the by the force of him running, his left shoulder popped out and he fumbled the ball last year. So it remains to be seen what this injury looks like, if it's the sort of thing they need to go in and fix via surgery once again, in which case, you know, there's rehab to happen this offseason and he's not getting better in the offseason. That's definitely not an ideal scenario for the Bears. I just want to see a more consistent football player, uh, much in the same way that I need Trubisky to be a more successful and consistent football player. It's it's not good enough that he can be dynamic a, a, as a runner at this point. He needs to show that he can be where he needs to be week in, week out on the field because the Bears need uh, a very solid number two wide receiver that they can count on uh, to put up production week in, week out. They also have Riley Ridley, who, you know, again, this is probably his best game as a Bear. Um, and Javon Wims, who's back from injury to... He really hasn't been that good. I don't know if he's at 100%. Uh, three catches on seven targets, 23 yards. That's not a bad position group, and I think the Bears would be fine with it going forward if they can supplement the tight end group and make that more of a, a, a threat in the passing game. And then there's pass-catching extraordinaire Tariq Cohen. Nine catches, 44 yards for a 4.9 average. Uh, there is a tweet I saw. I believe it's Kevin Fishbane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin Fishbane with an incredible tweet um, per pro, uh, pro football reference to give credit where credit is due. Inception and credit all the way down the line. So Tariq finishes with nine catches for 44 yards to give him 79 catches for 456 yards on the season. That's 5.77 yards per catch. The second lowest for anyone with 70 plus catches going back to 1970. If I see one more... Tariq Cohen one-yard catch in the flat with the defense flowing in the direction that he's going, I'm going to turn off the television. I can't – this one is a little bit more about Nagy than it is about Tariq, but Tariq, look, he just isn't good in traffic. He doesn't read blocks. He doesn't – He he's always magnetized to the sideline. This is a guy who succeeds in space and is wildly fast and dynamic given that space. The Bears never found him in space all year long. And given his faults as a running back, as a blocker, although he improved a little bit at that this year, if the Bears aren't going to be able to find him in space down the field, then it's not a usable player. He's a minus player. And that's a role situation. I think Tariq Cohen knows he needs to be better at a number of things. There were drops this year. Uh, again, missed blocks, missed assignments. But the Bears need to utilize him in a completely different way next year. And the hope is that that becomes uh, something we saw a little bit today that they dabbled with, but it just wasn't used effectively, which is David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen on the field at the same time. There are opportunities there to misdirect a defense and find yardage, and the Bears never really had a plan for how to, how to utilize those two players at the same time. Nevertheless, Tariq, 
I kind of out on him. I mean, I don't know if out's the right word, but this was such a down year, and his usefulness seemed so much less than it did in the past. And again, that's about not being able to utilize him in space and let him really create dynamic plays. The Bears lack dynamic plays all year, and Tariq Cohen is a dynamic football player if utilized correctly. So I feel like that's one for the team to really key in on. Let us get to the offensive line where Charles Leno, uh, beaten like a drum by Minnesota Vikings uh, backups all day long. I don't know what to say about Charles Leno because he just got paid given a Pro Bowl year last year. Uh, He's the Bears' left tackle of now and the future, and Bobby Massey just got paid. And at this point, it becomes an indictment of Ryan Pace for um, paying two guys who may not, in fact, be good enough to support this offensive line and this team going forward. Now, it's not like the Bears have a lot of options in free agency and a lot of draft capital to fix these problems. So maybe it was a situation where, hey, let's lock these guys up. Let's push the money forward um, because this is as good as we're going to do. But if that's what you're using to justify these decisions, maybe you've been making the wrong decisions all along. Nevertheless, the Bears need to bring in a developmental tackle to be a swing tackle. Um, I would assume one of their two second-round picks might be that guy. The Bears finished with a number 43 pick from the Oakland Raiders in the Khalil Mack trade, the number 50 pick uh, in their own for their own pick, and then I believe it's no third-rounders, no fourth-rounders, three fifth-rounders, a sixth, and a seventh. It's such a random helt- helter-skelter grouping of draft picks. We'll see what they do with all of those. But I would like to believe, and again, we'll get into all this draft stuff, the prospects that may be available, all that kind of stuff in pods to come. It does feel like offensive line may be one of the positions, whether it be a new right guard to replace Kyle Long. Rashard Coward never really did replace him in any sort of productive fashion. Um, A swing tackle, like I just mentioned. Something to really help the depth of a unit that struggled all year long and... It didn't feel like any one guy was the problem nor the solution. It felt like a systemic failure, and that may lead to coaching changes that I think we'll talk about in a second. But first, let's stop and uh, talk about Untuck It. You ever see an untucked button-down? Like you're sitting at a bar, and you look down across the way, and this dude's wearing a billowing parachute of a shirt that's like uh, coming down past his bar stool. Looks like he's wearing a smock backwards. You would think that was a guy who had a sad day and he just doesn't care. But in fact, that's the style. Unfortunately, some shirts just aren't meant to be worn that way. But thankfully, there's Untuck It. The original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. You like the breeze blowing on your belly button? Do I have a shirt for you? With more than 50-plus fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untuck It style online or check out one of their 80 brick-and-mortar stores. You can choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is super easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your perfect fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, 
Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, back. And so I guess we should talk defense for a second. And again, let's kind of breeze through this for a second so we can talk about big picture stuff because what can you ascertain from a team that played its backups? Nevertheless, Nick Kwiatkowski, he has been so good as a replacement inside linebacker that the fear now comes up that they may not be able to afford to retain him as he's a UFA going into next year. Credit to him. He has balled out and been a godsend for a team that lost Danny Trevathan midseason and Roquan Smith just a few weeks ago. He's really held the defense together, not just in the run game, but in coverage. And anybody who's watched the Bears the last few years knew that Kwiatkowski was good, but was athletically limited in coverage. He has made uh, really, he's progressed by leaps and bounds. And I really never saw that coming today. was another day and had an incredible Oklahoma drill stop of a safety of uh, running back Mike Boone in the end zone to get a safety really an incredible play. So here's hoping that the bears inside linebacker position, it can be bolstered by his uh, return next year. Kevin Pierre-Lewis, another unrestricted free agent who showed out as a backup in replacement of Roquan Smith, uh, was there. You saw him on the field today. Got an interception kind of off of a weird fumble by Mike Boone, but nevertheless, an interception. Also had a QB hit and a pass defense. Really has looked good. And so one or both of those guys needs to be back in the fold next year. Danny Trevathan is a free agent. He's getting up there in years. He is a defensive leader. He's uh, been great for the team. Unfortunately, it looks like they won't have the money to retain all three of those guys. And if it's me, and again, we'll see what the offers are like. We'll see what's available out there. We'll see what these players want to do as they finally have control of their own careers, if they want to stay or go. But I think for me, having Kwiatkowski come back, Kevin Pierre-Lewis come back in the fold, still having Iggy, who looks more like a special teams player than a guy for defensive depth, it remains to be seen. But seeing Roquan Smith come back and take over the position, that feels like a safe position group. And then uh, beyond that, what, what can you say? The Bears absolutely failed to get a pass rush again against backups and a bad quarterback that held the ball too long. Zero sacks on the day. Three quarterback hits to speak of. Leonard Floyd. Let's talk about Leonard Floyd for a second, because I think we all see the physical talent, and God knows that the coaching staff loves to tell us how great they are and the impact they're making. Leonard Floyd hit a quarterback for the first time today in a month and finishes the season with three sacks. Three. One, two, three. That's To say that's not good enough is being kind. Uh, I don't know, man. He's obviously, he's, he's probably in the fold for next year, given that uh, he's on his fifth year option. The bears have already picked it up. I sort of want the bears to offer him a meh contract because his, his production has been so low just to see if he can accept it. Cause again, the physical talent suggests that you want a guy like that in the fold, but only at a certain number, the bears pass rush has been so anemic. I believe, and you know, I, I just looked for the for the tweet, couldn't find it. But other than Khalil Mack, the Bears haven't had uh, a sack from another player in something like from either a linebacker or a a defensive lineman in something like seven weeks. It sounds 
hyperbolic and it sucks that I don't have the tweet in front of me. So you're just going to have to kind of trust me slash question me. But I mean, if anything has told you what happened to the bears defense uh, this season, it's that they just could not get after the quarterback. It was sort of inexplicable and it looked like the bears defense prior to acquiring Khalil Mack. Now, Khalil Mack certainly had a down year, and it happened after the London game, the infamous London game that seemed to ruin everything. But it's not just Khalil Mack. He certainly made his efforts, but he was just triple-teamed more often than not, and no one else made them pay. And given how the team looked, even earlier this season, not even last season, the game against, uh, I, I, I hearken back to the Vikings game at Soldier Field, I believe it was week four, when... It, it just seemed like they were taking turns, just lining up to see who was the next one that was going to eat Kirk Cousins alive, be it Bilal Nichols, Roy Robertson-Harris, uh, Roquan Smith rushing from the middle, Khalil Mack getting his, uh, Leonard Floyd less so, only against the Packers, and certainly not the Packers game that happened just a couple weeks ago. So really, this is about Leonard Floyd and his inability to be that bookend pass rusher that the Bears need. Aaron Lynch looks to be not just out of the Bears, but maybe out of the league given his play this year. Tons of pre-snap penalties, undisciplined play, no real impact as a pass rusher. I don't know, whatever juice they'd gotten from him last year might have walked out the door with Vic Fangio. Maybe he was the guy that knew how to get Aaron Lynch where he needed to be, both physically and mentally, to make him play well. So, uh, yeah, the Bears, for all their needs going into next season, and there are a lot, uh, finding a complimentary pass rusher to help Khalil Mack and help the team in that regard. Obviously, Akeem Hicks will be back healthy. Hopefully, Bilal Nichols can get healthy and, and start to continue his development because this was a down year for him. Broken hand, a knee that was questionable all year. He missed a lot of practice time as a result. So we'll see what he looks like going into the next season. I know Roy Robertson-Harris may be... Um, uh, maybe lost a free agency. I believe he's a restricted free agent. Don't quote me on that, but that's another one to look into. So the defensive line group is is you know in a good place. At it's just a matter of who the pass rusher is going to be and whether the Bears bring him in as a draft pick or a mid level free agent. And I'd probably lean to the latter given the success of one year deals for. Uh, guys that were in uh, you know less than ideal schematic situations for them. And I'm thinking of a Shaq Barrett in Tampa Bay or a Michael Bennett previously in Seattle, um, you know, coming in and having an impact or a Trey Flowers going to uh, the Patriots and being a guy. It, it You know, these guys always, you have to catch them at the right time because then they'll get into a good schematic situation and then their value blows up and they get overpaid the next year. So, Shaq Barrett would be wonderful this year, not so much next year when he's making $10 million a season on a very large contract for a team. The Bears don't have that money, and I'm thankful they don't because it's the kind of thing that Ryan Pace has shown that he'd throw money at uh, and hurt the Bears' cap situation going forward. So a complimentary veteran pass rusher of a mid-tier value that Bears can fit into their cap situation seems to make the most sense. Beyond that, the kicking situation, so Eddie Pinheiro finishes 4-for-4 four four on the day uh, and makes his last 11 kicks for the Bears this season. Can we just say he's the kicker? Like, it's not like he was any great shakes, but he wasn't the problem, and the kicking position wasn't necessarily the problem last year, to be clear. But we went through all that rigmarole and all that bullshit to say he's the guy. Look, he had he hurt his knee midseason, missed some kicks, 
Eddie Panero is not the fucking problem, and he might be part of the solution if you can just hang in there with him. I don't see anybody else on the market that's screaming for us to go get him, nor is there the money to do so. And again, you can look at Robbie Gold and say, man, should always should have kept him. He was injured part of the year and finished with a worse field goal kicking percentage than Pinheiro. So say what you want to say. Eddie wasn't the problem. I really hope he's back next year. The Bears had to kick out a conditional seventh rounder to the Raiders anyways because they played him so many games. That was the nature of the trade they made. Just keep him in the fold and move on. And for that matter, Pat O'Donnell has actually become a quality punter in my opinion. It'd be really nice if he was back in the fold next year, you know, uh, salary notwithstanding. Again, Cordero Patterson, Tariq Cohen. It seems like on special teams in terms of the impact positions, you kind of have your guys. And it's, and with so many other needs across the roster, it definitely feels like the attention should be paid to those things, not to who the goddamn kicker is going to be again next season. And so that's it. That's a wrap on the 2019 season. The Bears finish 8-8, eight and 4-4 eight, four and four at home, 4-4 four and four on the road. I got to tell you, that feels like a really friendly 8-8. Eight and eight. Like, I, I, I'm looking at this season, and it was a frustrating one, and it's probably built on the expectations, but that feels like a the shittiest 500 season I've experienced in a long time. It almost feels like the Bears, it's kind of a miracle. They're eight and eight. Feels like four and twelve, but eight and eight. That's what it says right here on the computer screen. So, man, from the beginning, it just it wasn't going well, and it never really got untracked. There were a couple of weeks of joy in there, but this was not a fun football team to watch. It was about failed expectations and frustration, and never being able to put things together. Uh, they led the league in three and outs on offense. The defense couldn't find a pass rush. They were gifted all kinds of opportunities, and I really mean that. Like the number of backup quarterbacks or injured defensive fronts or um, teams that tried to give the game away, there were so many opportunities to get one or two more wins this season. I'd predicted going into the season the Bears would finish 10-6 and six because they had such a bear of a schedule, no pun intended. And to finish 8-8, eight and eight, man, uh, you just look back at the season. I'm looking at you know the season results right now. So they lose to the Packers at, at home to begin the season. And that's, there's so much to be said about that for not having played in the preseason, knowing that Trubisky was a guy that needed lots of reps in order to see the field as best as possible, not playing him a single snap. That's a, a coaching failure. That one's on Nagy. Winning the miracle game at the Broncos, which some would argue they never should have been able to do. The Redskins game, uh, where the Bears finally got on track on offense a little bit. The Taylor Gabriel catch, which I think was the fourth most improbable catch of the year by Next Gen Stats. I don't know that there's anything to highlight there, but it says so. I'm telling you, it was an improbable catch and um, one of the highlights of the season for the Bears for sure. And then what I think was their best played game of the year, which was the Vikings at home, which was an absolute crush job and made you think that the Vikings were fake and the Bears might be something going forward. And then things fell off the rails. They go to London. The Raiders absolutely sun them on both sides of the football, and the Bears deserve to lose that one. They have to soak it in for two weeks on the bye. Then the Saints come to town and absolutely crush the Bears. And then the loss to the Chargers, which was just the most unlosable game of the year. The Chargers were desperate to give it away, and the Bears blew that one despite winning in every statistical category. Then losing in Philadelphia uh, at the Eagles. The Eagles are in the playoffs, 
but they were so injured and there was such an opportunity to win that one. Instead, the Bears had a historically terrible first half where they had something like the, the fewest amount of yards ever created as an offense in the, uh, the modern era. Then they get untracked a little bit by the Lions. Uh, they lose a game to the Rams that they definitely could have won. They beat the Giants. They beat the Lions on Thanksgiving. Things are looking good all of a sudden. It's kind of coming together a little bit. And then the big win of the season against the Cowboys at home. And then we learn what the Bears really were. They lost, They lose to Green Bay. They're not really close in that one. The Chiefs absolutely dismantle them on Sunday Night Football and make their season effectively over. And then this meaningless W against the Vikings. So can we all move on from this one? Can we all move into next season with, just for me, a different offensive coordinator that can challenge Matt Nagy's uh, idea of what they should be doing with Mitch Trubisky in this offense. Someone with a, a lot of competence in the run game that can put the, the offensive line that they have in a situation to win. It obviously feels like there are players on this team that don't believe that uh, the scheme is effective for what their skill sets are and what they'd like to do. I would love to see a new offensive coordinator. I would love to see a new quarterbacks coach because Dave Ragone's, you know, He's tied to Trubisky's success. Trubisky hasn't succeeded, and so it's time to move on from him. Maybe not necessarily his fault, but that's the way the NFL goes. And then defensively, you know, uh, I'm fine with Pagano coming back. It's not like he did a, a bad job. The Bears had some regression in, in the turnover category, and the pass rush really uh, wasn't able to come together. But I'm not sure how much of that was a schematic failure. There were buster screen uh, blitzes and there were Roquan Smith inside linebacker Kwiatkowski blitzes I really liked no problem there with him coming back a lot of people complaining about the special teams coaching and Tabor I don't know uh sure I unless it's Dave Tobe I don't care I'm, I'm all for Dave Tobe coming back and in fact being the head coach of this team one day but other than that you know the Bears rank fine uh top 10 I believe in DVOA and special teams I don't believe that was the problem whatsoever so I'd be fine with that coming back and that's it. That's the bow on this like lovely season. We'll be back in the weeks ahead to uh, talk about not just the Bears roster, offense, defense, what they might do in the draft, what they might do in free agency, but also what's going on in the NFL playoffs and how that reflects on how the Bears have built their team and where the NFL is headed. So lots of content to come. Just because the, the games are over doesn't mean the lamenting is over. I'll be back here week in, week out to let you know what I think about the Bears are trying to do out there. Uh, once again, thanks to our sponsor, Untuck It, for uh, bring, bringing you this content here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast, be it Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. And go ahead and leave comments. I'm always reading those. And you can also catch me on Twitter at RightfieldSucks, where you can have a direct line to tell me how much my takes suck. I'm always here for that. Appreciate you listening. We'll be back to you soon. And I am For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. 
Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.